Good news, everybody. You're Pexing with the Legends, and we are your hosts from the Gamer Editing Staff. My name is Eric, and this week, I guess I'm still a Loba main for no reason. No good reason. <laughs> you can call me Lumbago. My new real name's Whitney, but uh, I have been playing Lifeline. I love her buff, and we'll talk about that for sure in just a minute. Mm, she called it a buff, okay. Ooh, I'm <laughs> Andrew, or Finn TTV. And uh, apparently I'm going to have to be a Revenant main based on what I've been seeing lately. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, there's a ton, so much to talk about. Last week, uh, our episode came out one day before EA Play Live, their big presentation, which opened with Apex Legends news. And we found out about the Lost Treasures uh, collection event, which kicked off this Tuesday. I think it'll run for two weeks. And that had some map changes that had some, it had a lot of changes. It had uh, a, a new item, it had a new game mode, and it had a list of patch notes that changes almost every character in major meaningful ways. So I want to start the show by talking about uh, the event and what's new, and then we'll get into all of these changes. And And I want to hear what your uh, your impressions are. Because uh, this is this is a big shift. I think this feels like a bigger shift than even the start of the season was, um, just because of how many changes there are for all the characters. So uh, first of all, we have uh, our fifth Lost Treasures event. We've had one every, or um, so our fifth collections event. We've had one every every season so far, and this is um, unlike the. Uh, the other type of like story progression events, these collection events are focused on the special loot boxes and they introduce new heirloom. In this case, it was Mirage's heirloom. Um, so just first of all, what do you guys think of the loot that's available for the Lost Treasures event? Whitney? I mean, I'm not the kind of person who's about to spend like a ton of money, although my friend Azzy did that I was playing with. Um, but I think he's he just needs four more of them to, in order to get the... Uh, oh my God. The, um, yeah. Well, he said he used his crafting materials on the rares to increase the probabilities that they would all be the legendaries when he actually bought the packs, which is a pretty smart move, in my opinion. Um, but the... Uh, but I got... Um, but I got that lifeline skin. I used crafting materials. I thought it was pretty epic. I thought it was cool. Um, yeah, and the the heirloom is pretty sick. I mean, it's fun. It's different. The animation. Yeah. It's a statue, by, by the way, just for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's Mirage, statue of himself, which, you know, I, I love Mirage's character because they sort of build him up to be this sort of narcissist. But uh, deep down, he's also pretty insecure. And I think that that's reflected in the sort of animation where he's like, um, yeah, he's going to have this like heirloom of himself. But then at the end, it like tumbles out of his hand and he drops it. <laughs> yeah. Per perfect heirloom for Mirage, I think. <laughs> they, they couldn't have thought of a more clever heirloom for sure. Yeah. And, I don't and then know. The, the secret animations too. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> Apparently there's odds that he'll pull out a pork chop instead and hit opponents with it. Yeah. If you have the heirloom. Uh, so there's some awesome stuff with it. Definitely a good idea for Mirage. And I like I like the character skins this season, or I mean this this event a lot. Yeah. Like that's what I'm impressed by. They I mean overall maybe the best yet in my opinion, but I think Watson's like Safari skin is really cool. I like Lifeline skin. The mustache crypto is awesome. <laughs> uh oh, yeah. the Wraith 
sort of like gold, golden wraith one uh what's it called marble goddess is really cool even though i think i heard there's been some weird hitbox stuff with that like no headshots register on her yeah pretty but cool then, i'll take the buff i like rave <laughs> but then also um like a big hitbox otherwise i saw like um like somebody put the side by side like a normal race skin and then that one and if you shot between the character's legs like it was totally red like you know registering on so, so it's the- not skin specific hitboxes right it's just characters and they're always the same is that how it works well, I think that's what it's supposed to be, but for some reason, this one's like a little bit messed up, so it doesn't have yeah. the headshot damage, and it also has this extra damage where it's maybe not supposed to be, because what I saw. Yeah. Um, I heard but, it's been no. fixed already, oh, but yeah. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I there just was remember a whole day. On <laughs> yeah. Raging Race, who were you know playing her slightly differently because she got changed, which we'll obviously talk about, and not taking headshot damage. Yeah, just running in head first. Well, I guess she already does that, right, with her Naruto run. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm super impressed with the, the cosmetics that are available. I think that what a lot of people have been critical of about this game since the very beginning was uh specifically the the cosmetics and the the economy of collectibles in the game and while i while it's still crazy unbalanced i mean there you look at it there's 24 items to collect in this event right and the boxes which are normally 100 coins are now 700 and you don't get the heirloom unless you have collected all 24 items that's about 17,000 coins or just over $200 uh for for this Mm. one event so that is brutal now that said people are buying it or they wouldn't have done it five times like they do this every two months like because people spend 200 bucks on this stuff every two months so but um it's super prohibitive to the normal us normies yeah exactly i think they even addressed it directly and pretty much said well right now like we've done a bunch of tests and we rely on the few that spend the way they, they pretty much said that there are people who spend and usually those who do spend spend a lot right so that they rely on that for so yeah exactly us normies get you know punished for that because everything is just i like i have trouble justifying buying one of a single skin from this thing so yeah but we're we're bucks. spending <laughs> money on the battle passes like we're we're still you know active consumers of the game it's just it's such a huge drop off from you know, whatever, 15 bucks every three months and mm-hmm. then spend 200 bucks on this event if you want all the stuff. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, there's stuff you can craft. There's a couple of things I want. I really like that Prowler skin. It's like that yeah. white white and gold one. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that one looks awesome. Heavenly Strike is what it's called. Nice. awesome. Yeah. Very it's got like an owl on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to get that one. And uh, yeah, there there's some skins too. Like you said, I don't really play crypto, but the crypto mustache skin is really good. Yeah. Um, okay, so in this event, we've got a bunch of new things. Armed and Dangerous returns as Armed and Dangerous Evolve. That is the shotguns and snipers game mode. But this time, uh, everyone starts with an Evo shield, which I think is really cool. I love when events do. I think every event should just be like your Evo shields. Like focus on the gimmick and. Everybody mm-hmm. gets an Evo. I think that's cool. Um, but also, we have a brand new item, the mobile respawn beacons. Have you guys got much of a chance to play around with those? 
for me, like what I, the challenge is, is that you're so used to going to the respawn beacon and just like pressing the button one time that I kept forgetting that it's not enough to just throw it down. You have to actually activate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is cool because I remember I put it in like an area um, in Kings Canyon. There's like uh, the houses that are, um, it's, uh, I forget what that area is called, but it's like right outside a bunker. And um, there's like a, a little area that's kind of hidden there. And um, there were teams on like all around us and I managed to drop the respawn beacon on there and activate it there. So even though it was coming down, the person was pretty protected on their way down. And you don't always get that luxury when you're like trying to respawn in the middle of, um, oh, I don't know, that area out front of runoff. <laughs> oh like yeah, there's a, there. <laughs> there's a lot of super exposed respawn beacons on that map for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That I think is what's most interesting about it is being tactical with where you put, put those beacons. Um, I personally, I like having to spread out beacons and having to make those hard decisions about where am I going to go? Is it wise to be this close to where I know enemies are? Do I have time to get there before the ring closes and having to make all those decisions for a respawn is cool. Um, but we know now that once this event ends, those respawn beacons are going into the normal game, just like any other item. So that that is just a part of the game now. Uh, Angie, what do you think about that? Well, as someone who's never been knocked or killed, uh, <laughs> <Ever>. <laughs> it doesn't really affect my play. Uh, sure. All I know is victory. I don't understand <laughs> defeat as a concept. Yeah, but for your uh, enemies. How, do you, yeah, how, oh, how does it feel so, for your enemies? Well, I mean, the more ways I can... <laughs> you know hunt them down and kill them the better it's just like a lifeline drop it just shows me where they they are i'm a simple man i, I just go all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm just I kidding i i i don't have a strong opinion yet yeah it's interesting but i like i need to wait for some of this stuff it's just overwhelming me right now yeah, but, there's so much yeah yeah it's very like you said it's almost more significant than the season change itself yeah i would if you're soloing with randoms, right, um, sometimes they just want to respawn at the nearest beacon. And I think that there's a logic to it because they're like, oh, you can collect your box. But for some reason, they do it in, in spite of the fact that there are two squads both pointing their guns at you that are like 10 feet away. But <laughs> um, So I like the idea of having the mobile beacon so that somebody can be like, oh, yeah, I don't have to do that. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, solos. And I feel like as more experienced players, like, we have enough foresight to not do that. But when you squad with randoms, I mean, you could be playing with, like, a level 10 who is, like, barely familiar with the game yet. Yeah, um, it is kind of a... Nerf who plays the game better than any human you've ever met before. <laughs> I think that's an interesting point as a from a new player perspective because um, uh, that Call of Duty Battle Royale that preceded Warzone... What was uh, that? Blackout? So in Blackout, as a new player, I think Blackout had a horrible new player experience because you ran around that map and filled your inventory with stuff and all of that stuff had to be activated in your inventory. And Apex so far has just had the ultimate accelerators, right? Which you have to go into your inventory, read what it does and activate it when it's appropriate. Everything else is guns and bullets and grenades, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but that's like, an item that you have to learn about what it does and how to use it. And now we have another one of those, which has an even more complex activation process. You got to open your inventory, find it, activate it. Then it opens a reticle in the world. You have to place it. Then you have to interact with it uh, to get, to make it do what it does. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely a lot to learn 
for a new player, but I think that this sort of signifies a, a some, sort of a turning point in the game where it's like, we're not going, we don't need to specifically cater to new players and bringing new players in. We can put in something complex like the mobile respawn beacon and trust our players to figure it out. Mm. That's an interesting yeah. way to think about it. I, I, I had not thought about the item from the perspective of experienced versus new, but that's a really good point regarding um, barrier to entry, I guess, when it comes to like, especially when it hinges on your teammates needing you to do something, right? right. Because the worst yeah. thing I think a new player could experience would be their teammates getting mad at them for not doing something that they don't understand. Yeah. So that's that's the worst when you're not playing well or slash don't understand something added with social pressure from like strangers. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's something that you can pick up as you're frantically scavenging. And then it's just in your inventory. You might not know you have it. If you're new, you definitely don't know what it what it does. You have to like read this thing to really understand it. And then you have to take all those steps to use it. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying that it's bad or poorly designed or anything. I have long wanted the ultimate accelerator to have a hotkey. And I kind mm -hmm. of wish that this did too. But I don't know. Maybe down the road as we add more and more items like this, you know, we'll eventually no, have easier ways to use them. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm like coming off of playing a lot of StarCraft this week. But <laughs> there's so many hockeys in the game. I'm like in a phase where I'm like, you can never have enough. <laughs> yeah. Just give us more hockey options. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to be spider fingers all across my keyboard activating random stuff. Yeah, because you've got you've got one and two for your guns and three to put them away. Why can't four be for an ultimate accelerator and five be for uh, for a mobile respawn yeah. beacon? You know, that would be a beautiful thing. It'd be so easy to program that. It seems like <laughs> uh, they're probably gonna have to. If they Maybe it's a balance thing, like this, right? Yeah, well, I think so. Because another thing that they added recently ish um, was on the Sentinel where you have to activate it, right? And I right. know that a lot of people always forget that, like, um, you can, you know, move certain guns to single single shot. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but if I remember correctly, like the R301, mm -hmm. um, and you don't the have hemlock, to have, like, uh, yeah, uh, and you don't have to have necessarily the um, the hop up that allows that. So it it becomes more to keep track of, right? Yeah. Uh, and I know with Loba, like, if you want to uh, take down the ult. Uh, all of a sudden, you're pressing another button in order to do that, right? It doesn't just disappear after a certain amount of time. The um, the the black market mm -hmm. boutique. Mm -hmm. um, so you're sort of like learning these dynamics, and I think if you're a new player, it's interesting because one of the things about Apex to me was like kind of like how easy it was to pick up if you had ever played any sort of battle royale or FPS game. Um, you know, I say it's like uh, an easy a game that's easy to play, but like hard to be great at, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think that like as they add these more and more complexities and nuances, um, and maybe they're just growing with their player base. I mean, maybe they're not getting a ton of new players to the extent that like they're just sort of trying to keep the players that they already have by keeping them engaged, right? Uh, but it is interesting to think about because the game has gotten much more complex. There's different legends then you have to figure out how to work with them and counter them. And mm. they've been buffed and they've been nerfed and they've been, you know, people have to relearn to play. I mean, some people would argue every season, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Angie, do you think that the mobile respawn beacon will have any kind of impact on, uh, on professional and, and high level play? 
it's to me it has to yeah uh, like especially if it's about to come into the game permanently uh i don't see how it doesn't like respawn beacons are a huge part of it of course respawn beacons tend to be used less in competitive and professional matches because usually if a team fully commits to a fight it's all three are going to die. Yeah. Uh, that's not always the case, of course, uh, if you get somebody out. But oftentimes, if there is a survivor, they'll, they, they're they not going to try and get... Full rat. Or, you know, you're going for placement. Yeah, full yeah. rat mode. But that being said, I mean, I, I know I've seen respawns half middle of not just scrims, but money on the line tournament and getting away with it. And actually, now that I recall, um, GSD on the EU side... They got away with responding two people and then won the, the map, which wow, was wow. pivotal in them winning online tournament six. So it does happen. Um, and now with mobile beacons, I imagine, honestly, it's just going to be a better alternative because the biggest reason not to res would be to attract, you know, the attention of all these deadly killer squads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I it's going to it's definitely going to come into play. I don't know how yet. Uh I'd have to think about it more to perhaps make a prediction, but we'll definitely see them used. Uh, what do you guys think about the concept of a bait beacon? So like, so you can have multiple beacons and multiple players can have them. In fact, in armed and dangerous right now, everybody starts with one, right? So is there any tactical advantage to say, I put down a beacon and guard it and my teammate puts down a beacon and activates his, but I'm drawing attention to me and making it look like my beacon is the active one. That would be the coolest thing ever, especially if ah. the ship dropped a dummy. That would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it just ragdolls on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, New, just like New it just hits the passage. ground face first. <laughs> um, uh, I would say that um, I played a game the other day where I'm 99% sure that the other player was uh, putting it down for cover, which I thought was really interesting. interesting yeah. Because um, we didn't have much and they dropped it there. And it's not, you know, super tall or anything, but it is enough to crouch behind. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I, as, Listen, as much as a down teammate with their shield up is, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if a caustic can hide inside of his own gas <laughs> barrels, okay, a mobile respawn beacon is more than ample cover. <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. And we've seen yeah. that with Lifeline Ultimates too, players using that for cover. So, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I When I made Watson a lot early on, I'd find, oh, if it's early game, I can just throw my Watson ult down for cover if I'm in a bad position. And yeah. plus, it's like moth to a flame. People like to shoot it because it's glowy. So it's like, right. hey, cool, you shoot that, I'll run. <laughs> um, I think it's worth mentioning that this mobile respawn beacon is um, is Respawn Vancouver's first official inclusion in the game. And, you know, we, we can debate about uh, the function of it, but as far as the execution and design, I think it's, it's great. It's an adorable little cute respawn beacon. Like, all the animations are great. I think, uh, like, as far as taking an idea and bringing it into the game, they they totally nailed it. So I'm idea. excited. I'm excited to see what that studio is is uh, going to be able to bring to the game. Canadian ingenuity coming in hot. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I mean, it, it is super hard to add an item to a game like this because you just don't know every variable, you know? Right. Um, and they tried to test and test and test. I mean, I'm sure this product was in development for several, you know, months. Um, 
But at the end of the day, like, you don't know what player is going to figure out an exploit or something. I don't know what a mobile respawn beacon exploit is, but like, I've been you trying. Your teammates and like six, six different teammates. So you just have to. <laughs> I, I've been trying to block doors with them and stack them. And I've been trying to break the game with them. And I have not, could not find a way to do it. <laughs> I'm doing everything in my power to absolutely destroy the game as we know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I could. You, <laughs> you described it as, as like cute. And the animations is good for whatever reason. It made me think of these like new. Everybody loves these things. These vector bots, like Wally style yeah. little robots with their own small uh, personalities. Now I want that to be a mobile respawn beacon. You want to talk when you put you it down. Put it down, but it kind of moves around a little bit. So you're kind of like, no, stop. <laughs> but not enough to annoy you that much. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, like I pretty much want a mechanical fire. dog. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> please respawn, please. <laughs> That's so funny. That's like such a big theme of this week's hunt story too. But we'll get into that. Uh, um, oh, you're so right. Um, yeah. So there was one other thing I wanted to jump back to Whitney's point about, um, you know, having to learn new keys to activate, to to interact with abilities and items and stuff. We saw, to jump ahead a little bit in the into the patch notes, um, Mirage's, uh, when Mirage got his rework at the beginning of the season, you had to learn a new key to control them. And now they have changed it so that you can control them by holding your, your keys rather than pressing a new key. And I think those types of innovations can help constrict the amount of things that you have to learn to keep things ergonomic and to keep things, um, simple. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, totally. There are, uh, every time they add something new, it's like you have to learn a new button or a new key or something, but they're, they're also showing us that there's ways to add things without complicating the game more. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's talk about uh, the map room. So we have a new location, uh, and it has taken over what we affectionately refer to as the gas station. I don't think that's what it was actually called. No, we named it that. Um, <laughs> uh, which is great, because the gas station was just an out-of-the-way corner of the map that there was no reason to ever go to. It was um, low-tier low uh, loot. Mm -hmm. And now we have uh, the, the map room. What do you guys think of the map room? It's sick. I love it. I think it's so cool. And I just love that, like, it changes the game up a little bit, but it's not insane. It's not like a crazy, crazy. It's certainly useful. Um, I feel like the risk reward is high. Like, if you're going to land there, it's certainly hot right now, and it probably sure. will continue to be hot. Um, but if you are the one who can take advantage of the map room situation, um, then it's probably because you beat a few teams to be able to do it, you know? Uh, and again, the advantage isn't such, such like, it isn't crazy. It isn't like, oh my gosh, it, it isn't God tier, right? Well, but yeah, especially not, not like... on on initial drop. It's not yeah. not the most useful thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's certainly like, like I guess helpful. We want to go this direction to avoid this team, or we want to go toward this one, you know, uh, to 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 because they have the advantage or whatever it is, or because we have the advantage over to, over them. Um, and so it's pretty cool. I mean, and the visual is super cool. I mean, I think the map looks yeah. awesome. I think that uh, somebody posted on Reddit that the, the area looks like the Destiny Ghosts. And that's so funny because I literally <laughs> was playing uh, on stream or, uh, with my friend. And I was like, you see the new area? It looks like the Destiny Ghost. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I didn't even think of that. Nobody else saw it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, it's pretty but awesome. I think I like the 
I mean, the look alone is super cool, high yeah. tech and stuff. And yeah, I mean, the gas, like you said, the gas chamber is pretty much not used for much of anything. Like low tier loot, just kind of moderately interesting environment with the. I think the reason why it's called gas station really well, I mean, I I guess it kind of was. It was designed to be that. It was like I a landing. Remember. It was like a landing. Yeah, because right? there was like a was it was like a rectangular roof thing that you'd often see over like bigger gas stations. But uh, I I honestly can't remember anything. But I know that some zones used to end there, and they were really fun, like end zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, I think it was like a really good area to target on the map because it's just straight up more. In- Especially with the functionality, because usually when you get like, a, you know, a new town takeover or something, there won't be maybe a, a like a new function added to the game. But now we have like this map hack, like literally where uh, the cool holographic map shows you where uh, other teams are. But like you said, that gets value over time and whether or not it's available based on the zone, like RNG factor, you know, you never know. But I, I want to see some stuff happen there late game and see if teams actually use it, especially in competitive. I'm always obsessed with what happens at the tippy top, of course. But right. Yeah, it's really interesting. I like it. Yeah, it's like you said, it's another interesting tool that um, may impact competitive, may not, but will be really cool to see if it does. I really like the design of it just um, just from the layout perspective i really love like a concentric circle with interconnected hallways i think it's such a cool place to fight um but i am a little bit confused why you would take such a a potentially strong tool and put it in a far far corner of the map your your options for responding to the information you learn are so limited because of where you are when you learn it Mm -hmm. um you know i think if it it probably wouldn't make sense to put it directly in the middle because it would become such a hot zone. But when you put it off in the far corner and you scan and you see, okay, there's teams, you know, over there, there's teams over there. There's not many choices you have about where to go or what to do. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it's not supposed to be that game changing. Um, Yeah. But it just seems so niche because it's in the corner. It means like zones won't end there as often. And when you use it, you how how can you respond to the information you have when the only there's only two directions you can leave that place right you can go up into artillery or not artillery uh, repulsor repulsor or mm-hmm. you can go down towards towards water treatment water treatment and that's well yeah i have but, a couple yeah. of things Oh, I was going to say, number one, that was kind of a dead, a dead area of the map. So it makes sense to me if they're trying to find some way to get people over there. It's mm-hmm. not completely dead, but it was deadish. Yeah. But also, remember when Crypto hacked Repulsor. So maybe it makes sense to have the little Crypto hideout pretty close to Repulsor from a lore perspective. For sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's super cool. <laughs> uh, and then also, um, I think maybe... They couldn't put it dead center in the center of the map just because they worried it might be too OP in that position, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you were in the center and maybe like I don't know, I want to say maybe um, what's the uh, uh, the tall area, uh, the the cage? The cage. Yeah. Um, 
let's say it's there and then you have good sniping distance on like everybody and you just know where everybody is like i mean i just feel like that would be a problem i'm actually getting angry thinking about it yeah that would be (laughs) that would certainly be a problem yeah i think it may be coincidental but i think it balances itself extremely well Mm -hmm. Uh, i like that it's a subtle thing i like that there's a very niche like situation where it'd be useful uh to me it's not really that useful uh unless again the zone ends there and it's like i'm just imagining a competitive game where only like three teams have died so there's like 17 teams left yeah and literally the zone is on that that means whatever or like you know really close to that you know repulsor that and maybe some of that waterfall area imagine the team that gets that area watsoned up and can use that i feel like it's super cool it incentivizes uh more fighting perhaps in the mid to late stages for that for control of that area but only time will tell i but i i kind of prefer it to be introduced in a way that makes it seem like well how is that going to be useful because players tend to find a way but it would be sad if it just kind of died away and nobody ever used it yeah i I guess it's sort of go ahead oh i was just gonna say what if this is gonna (laughs) blow your mind we open the bunker and there's another crypto map room in one of the bunkers. Yeah, I, it's going to be it's going to be t- we're going to have to talk about bunkers, but it's going to hurt my heart a little bit. Um, uh, but I'm glad you brought that up. You can see the bunkers on crypto's map. Mm-hmm. So they are all still closed. So I don't know when the low <laughs> I don't know when they'll open, but you'll be able to see when they're open. There is one that's that's open on the map and it's the one that's been open the whole, the whole season. Yeah. Um, um, what we were talking about as far as, uh, competitive and, and the pro scene, it's, I sort of wonder how much these decisions are influenced by the idea of pumping up the pro scene and making those games more interesting because if more and more things seem like they'll be cool because of the way pros will use them, Maybe that's part of the design decisions in the first place. You know, do do you think that's that could be the case at all? That it's like they're adding things that they think are gonna make, you know, professional games more interesting. Hmm. I'm inclined to think that it can't be all of it because usually when they make statements and stuff, they never are like, we really we're monitoring heavily the super tippy top competitive pro scene. <laughs> Yeah, that, to me, they're always like watching out for their community. Yeah, like, everybody, and they're making a, a lot of design decisions that don't necessarily float around that. Like it to me, they I think they've done a good job, like thinking about it, but also thinking about the other end and trying to strike a balance. I think they've always done a good job. I I think I'm kind of biased because like my Twitter feeds like 90% apex pros. And so I just see when they complain about anything and then I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's only one side of the coin, I guess. And I would add too that like, you know, turn like, what you're saying, but like also we see that these pros um, are generally, and there's an overlap because there are some people who are solely content creators who play apex, but they tend to be really strong players anyway. And then you see the competitive players that have big, big, you know, or big-ish followings. And they really are the best brand ambassadors. 
So I do sure. think that there's some inherent like, well, let's try to get them hyped on whatever this is. And they're not going to they're not going to agree on everything. But I, just someone like Nice Wig comes to mind because he's such a like friendly, nice guy who, you know, he'll be honest if he doesn't like something. But when his enthusiasm is there, number one, it's really contagious. But number two, he's like a respected pro uh, and he is a controller player. And I think he's really respected as that as well. Um, which isn't common, I think, in this particular game and space. Um, but I think that, like, that has to be a sort of marketing figure, is that they can't just brush off the pros' concerns completely. Like, that has to exist because it's still also driving interest in the game across the Yeah, game. no, I think it would be terrible if they did that, especially because yeah. I think pro is like a label. It's almost like a dirty word at this point. It's like, oh, well, that's for the pros. To me, <laughs> like, a big, like, it's not so cut and dry, and a lot of the time... Pros just means somebody who plays the game the most, right? Like, <laughs> i.e., the biggest fans of Apex. Like, yeah, yeah. To me, it's like it's you can only play the game so much and still play really badly. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm a prime example of that. <laughs> I don't. We don't have to talk about it, okay, everybody. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I think uh, you're totally right. Pointing the nice way. By the way, he and his team won Summer Circuit this weekend. The first oh my. I did see that and I love him and he's such a nice person. I got to meet him in person at um that event that Daz and I were talking about. He was there too. Such nice. a nice guy. He and Six and Bowser uh teamed up. They I don't think played too much together yet, but they went ahead and uh dunked on everybody and won the NA uh section of Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact. <laughs> uh well it's a good person. <laughs> On that note, you know, when we look at the patch notes, so often it seems like a lot of the balance changes to specific legends are made uh, to impact that that tippy top to to impact the highest level of players. So I want to go through those patch notes, uh, but real quick, I I don't want to neglect to mention that there is a progression track for this event. It's not solely a collection event. There is daily daily quests and a track um, of earnable. Uh, cosmetics um there's not much there's a pretty cool p2020 <laughs> skin with like a under barrel flashlight on it that's cool um there's not much on there but you know that's there is something to yeah i need to find that tab and check it out because i often neglect those and then i regret it later <laughs> yeah yeah there's two gun skins the p2020 is like halfway up and then the last one i want to say is a flat line or a havoc i don't recall it didn't stand out to me but mo most of it is uh, banner stuff and trackers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, boy. So this is going to be the biggest part of the show uh, because most of the legends, like I said at the top, most of the legends got major changes. Uh, probably no one as much a as Lifeline did. Lifeline's passive has been completely replaced. She lost her, her speed healing, right? And instead... Uh, she now has a combat revive, meaning that she can drop her drone, dock, let it revive someone, and then she can either continue to fight, heal herself, or res another teammate. And uh, and from what I have seen, it's as powerful as it as I thought it would be. It's it's, it's as strong as it looks from that uh, initial trailer. Has that been your experience as well? I mean, I played Lifeline a lot um, when I first moved to PC, so really like last season and partially the season before. Um, and 
number one, I think it's just huge that you can just be like, I'm resing you, but like you're not putting yourself there in a vulnerable position. Because even when your shield's up, you're vulnerable, you know? Mm -hmm. People can just come through with a peacekeeper and punch you in the face, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, the other thing that I would say is that like, yes, I mean, the fast heals were great. And to be fair, like that's the reason a lot of people and... Um, you know, I will I will use the word pub stompers. I don't want it like in a derogatory way, but just people who were really, really strong players, a lot of them, not a lot of them, but I know several who would choose to play Lifeline because that is a huge advantage if you're just going for kills and you're just trying to like shoot it up every single time, right? Um, so it definitely is something that um, hurt, like I think it hurts the character, but at the sort of... Um, improvement of the team you know hmm. um so and i and i just think it's great to be able to jump back into combat and to have that shield and you can use the shield for your own protection right if you can bump on them so it's kind of a cool it's kind of a cool and it's kind of a cool way to address some of the challenges that they were having with that character um i mean it's in my opinion still probably not quite as strong as like the gibraltar kit right but i mean I think that that it offers an advantage that he doesn't really have. Like he still has to be stationary when he has his dome shield up, and mm -hmm. he's like reviving somebody. Right. Um, and I don't remember. I think that he still does have the fast revive, right? Correct. Sure. They nerfed it a little bit, but he does. Yeah. He does still pick people up faster in his shield. Yeah. Um, so I would say like still maybe not quite as strong, but she also has the benefit of a much smaller hitbox relatively. Yep. Um, so, and I also, so in the, in, well, it'll be interesting because I haven't played a lot of the, uh, primary mode, but in the Armored Dangerous mode, holy cow, has her ability to get extra loot come into handy because you do take a lot of damage without dying in this mode. And sometimes you can hide behind something and get your shield heals and your health heals, right? Yeah. Um, but if you don't have those, you're like running around with like half health. So for her to be able to go to the supply bins and get extra health and to uh, drop a, a care package, which now has more healing items or more items of whatever it is, um, instead of getting one shield cell, or I guess it would be two, but you get like two sets of two or three sets of two, right? Um, it just makes a huge advantage to at least in that mode, is my experience. Yeah, yeah. So she has two other changes uh, to her kit that we'll talk about too. But Andrew, I want to know what you think about the the combat res. I think the biggest reason why it's so dang good is it stops one of the most annoying things that happens to squads who feel like they're doing well, which is getting third party right off of a win. Uh, lifeline mm. can now multitask so much more. So if your lifeline's the one that stays alive man, you, you can get your full team back in the fight really quickly. Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. get a armor swap while resing like both allies pretty much. You know, it's just, I love, I love it. I think it makes her feel more like how sh her design implied she'd be, which is very much a get back in the fight, you know, help the team out and stuff. Uh, I miss her fast deal already because I think it's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's really cool. I love it. I think it's a cool change. I haven't played too much of any lifeline yet but when i was playing with one of my buddies who's playing lifeline it felt amazing to have a lifeline i was like i love it i'm getting rezzed all over the place and uh yeah I yeah don't, it's just nice to get back in the fight really quickly um uh, and you know again combating the third parties to me is really attractive so she's yeah. going to be imperative like so oftentimes watson players would play watson in competitive and when they didn't they were lost because watson's not super useful in ranked or um pubs so 
the Watson player would just be this nebulous person who picked random legends. Used to be lifeline before the Gibraltar buff. Now I think it's back to lifeline. So to me, it gives players like me who are Watson and competitive and then played another legend back another choice to double main again. So mm-hmm. Watson like for everything else. So anyway, sorry to ramble a little bit there, but that's kind of, no, yeah. I, I like yeah, it. I, I like having that uh, dual identity yeah. uh, for Watson players. Um, that is, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, it's obviously a super powerful ability. It, it means that resin costs nothing you get, you get to do it for free and there's no cooldown on it. So if you can res one person, heal yourself. And as soon as they get up, you can do it to the, to your other teammate mm-hmm. too. Or heal them simultaneously. Uh, it's it's incredibly powerful. It it seems like um, so. I'm interested to see. Uh, and we keep going back to pros, but uh, I, I would love to see if Lifeline made it into uh, actual mm-hmm. competitive play over that. Uh, but there are yeah, there were two other things. Her her uh, tactical, which is her heal bot, that cooldown was reduced from 60 seconds to 45, and then her care packages got a a buff they now can if they contain healing items they contain double healing items or shields they contain double uh three times right Mm -hmm. three three times healing items and two times attachments so yeah and and also she'd already had that recent buff where (laughs) she could uh get the supply bins all the blue ones have uh extra extra items for her too so i would have preferred guaranteed purple (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So lifeline potentially god tier, but I we'll have to wait to see. I guess, right? Yeah, I don't know yet, but yeah, she's definitely really good. Uh, Octane. So two two changes for Octane. One, he's even faster when he uses his tactical. Uh, ten ten percent stem sprinting speed increase. Um, he also, as part of that can stem out of movement and pairing effects. So it works as a, uh, remove debuff. So if he run, runs into a Watson fence, gets hit with a arc star, uh, or a Bangalore alt or anything that would slow him down, he can stem out of it and run away. Um, and then finally the, his ultimate, his jump pad, you can now, all characters can now double jump out of it. And the double jump is kind of interesting. It's not totally what I expected. Um, and I'm not also not totally sure how good it is or how useful it is, but what, what do you, what do you guys think about the double jump? I mean, I was all about a double jump and then also being able to switch direction. Like that was huge to me. Um, it's fun. Yeah, well, if you go to Octane Skate Park, yes, you get like kind of double jump action. Right. <laughs> that's what we, that's what I've been calling it anyway. It's like the little jump park, little fun area in Kings Canyon. <laughs> um, but I mean, Octane was badly in need of a buff. I think that of all of the characters in Apex, maybe Revenant or like you know, first Revenant. Um, but of all the characters, I think that like Octane really needed it the most. Um. Is it enough? I mean, you can't use that jump pad a lot. And I like the double jump because it gets you better distances. I don't know that it necessarily gets you higher, but like you don't have to feel like you're struggling to get to places that Pathfinders can get to much easy, much more easily, easy, easier with the mm. grapple. Um, so it, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll be, you know, I, I don't main Octane. I don't really play him that much. Uh, but I do, I feel like I've noticed a lot more um the players that i've played against who are playing aggressive players as octane uh it ends up 
being pretty valuable because the 10% increase in movement is still huge, you know? I mean, Octane was already sped up, you know? Now you mm -hmm. have even more than that. It's like that character is going to be really hard to hit when they're stimmed. Um, and again, they take health when they do it. So like, what's the trade-off? But it's 10% and they regen. It's, um, it's not the worst thing in the world. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Senior? I need to mess with the double jump stuff more because I don't know enough yet to comment on that intelligently. But mm -hmm. uh, I definitely like them buffing Octane. I, and I'm a huge fan of anything that disrupts the current meta. However, I got to say my dream buff would have been them taking it a little bit further and making it so that you don't debuff but become immune. Yeah. So I, I would love it if he if when he's stemmed, he cannot be slowed. That would be really, really cool. Um, I can think of a million uses for that. Like say an ally died and was thirsted inside of a building that has Watson fences, caustic gas, you know, you name it, and him just being able to run straight through, grab the banner and run out without any in, in inhibiting movement stuff at all, rather yeah. than getting hit and then stemming out. Um I don't know. That would just make him a little bit stronger and then make that really cool because, again, Caustic, Watson, Disruption, really, uh, you know, I just want to, personally, I just want to see an Octane spinning across the field, get hit in the face with an Arc Star, running through a, a Bangalore and uh, Gibraltar Ultimate, get Caustic gassed, run through six fences, and still be the same speed. It would just be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> he would die, of course. It's such but... an Octane <laughs> thing to do. Like, you yeah. know, we just close legs off in the process, but it would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they're buffing him, but I, I, I have to, like, wait, I guess, a little longer because I, I don't know how much more useful he'll be. But I kind of like the idea. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. I, I think it's interesting that we have a character that they can make more fun, but that doesn't make the character better. Like, <laughs> like it's it's more fun to play Octane now, so he may get picked more, but that but I don't think they're making him better. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, um, I also had, had the same idea as you, or maybe it's just because we were talking about it, about giving him an immunity while he is buffed. And I think that the reason they can't or won't specifically is because they are so adamant that uh, legends do not counter, do not hard counter each other. Mm. There's no legend that has an ability that specifically counters another one. Mm -hmm. And giving Octane an immunity would specifically counter Caustic because he could run right in right through his gas, and that's all Caustic has. Mm. So I think that's yeah. why you can't, as much as I think that would be a, a sweet ability a and would definitely make him stronger. It would make him mm -hmm. more pickable, but it would hurt, it would directly hurt Caustic, and that's why I think you can't do it. Yeah, and I the design principle that you brought up, I think, is really I've, I'm a big fan of getting away from rock, paper, scissors, balance tactics. I, I love the versatility of Legends. So if that's the principle, then I totally understand it. My, my initial thought was like, oh, it wouldn't unbalance it because he would have to stim in alone, which means he can't just go in there and fight alone. It'd still be a dumb decision. Um, but at the same time, thinking about how singular Caustic is, just the gas, like that does seem a little direct countery. So yeah, yeah I, I understand that. But they could still do like a reduced damage or something. But yeah, something. Anyway, I don't yeah. Know. They'll probably still tweak him if he's truly like they have the percentages right of how popular mm -hmm. legends are. If he's still at the dead bottom, I'm sure they'll continue to 
brainstorm and tweak. I mean, them, they so. must have so much data because that's what they look at to make these decisions. Like they say, like there are so many races with high numbers of kills. Like, is this character? Oh, I see you cringing. <laughs> and I'm just smiling, like, no, it's not. But yeah, which I'm sure we're gonna talk about. Yeah, yeah, we got <laughs> we've got a couple more before Wraith. Let's talk about oh, Revenants. Revenants, big buff. He got a little tweak to the tactical. Now his uh, his si silence affects a Pathfinder who's grappling. It'll make a Pathfinder drop, which I think is going to be so hard to hit. I don't know how you hit a Pathfinder in the air with. Yeah, but, that's more for trick shops shots. Or yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll also start a Wraith who's mid phase walk, um, who's winding up, not mm -hmm. not once they're in it. But right. Um, but the the big change with Revenant is that his death totem, his ultimate, no longer has that range circle. There's no radius to it. If it's active, it's on a timer, and you can go anywhere in the world, and you'll have that uh, that second life, that one up, right? Uh, which is crazy. It's so crazy. But in practice, as being a bad Revenant player, I've been playing a lot of Revenant. Uh, what I have found is that I'll drop that totem run very far into battle, die, and when I come back to my totem, I realize that my teammates are a mile away still in the fight, <laughs> and I am way out of it. <laughs> um, when before, it was like, I can't drop this until I'm in the fight. You know, that way, because of the radius. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you get, Andrew, what do you think of the Revenant change? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the ultimate change is the big, like his, his you know, tactical got it, I think, a needed buff, you know, does a bit more now certain things but like you said the unlimited range on the totem is something that i think we're going to see more coordinated teams uh use a lot more and mm -hmm. plus the visual looks a little cooler too on that yeah kind of cool yeah the ui um, change is nice yeah i like it uh but but like you said uh i don't think it's going to benefit uh teams that aren't pre-made because you have to be smart like when you use it you've got to know how you're getting back is the area secure when you do get back? How far are you planning to go? Uh, what are we, are we going to try and sack our lives or let the timer go? You know, there's a lot of things to coordinate. Um, but that being said, I've already seen ad hoc gaming. Uh, Matafe is the most famous member of that team. They used Revenant and scrims and they dominated. They, I think they got second in their lobby with two wins with Revenant and they were using the totem to be way more aggressive than they normally would have. Yeah. And like kind of like they described Wraith's phase, get out of uh, jail free card. That's kind of what Revenant does with unlimited range, but for a full team, yeah. if you're smart. So I like it. I think it's a cool change. I think we're only going to see it get stronger as players get smarter and more coordinated with him. Uh, I just don't know where it's going to stop. I'm worried it'll stop, stop shallow and he still won't be in competitive. If it's perfect and the porridge is just right. <laughs> then uh we'll see him. we'll see him like some creative teams using them like yeah we use crypto i mean i think people are starting to realize that revenant is super super strong mm -hmm. i mean his um what like the tactical is extremely powerful like you can't use anything that protects you from a mirage that protects you from um you know watson dropping fences everywhere or what's like more automatic like lifeline being able to use her, her res and uh, you get two of them, and then it also, like, re-ups really quickly. And if you actually hit him, you can also do 10 damage, right? But all across the board, it's like, um, you know, that, I think, is sort of as the meta is changing, you might find that um, because 
because of some of these changes that are being made just recently, that that becomes more and more valuable at the beginning of a fight um, or even at the end of a fight, even in mid fight, you know, um, because I cannot even tell you how many mirages just use their decoy escape to reposition and to just not have the ability to do that because they've been silenced uh, is going to be, I mean, to me, that's extremely powerful. Now, I know that like Mirage is not heavily used in comp and I don't think that that's going to change, but I'm thinking about like some of these other characters, like Caustic Gash, you can't use the traps. Like that is huge, you know, depending on the situation. Mm. Yeah, I think that, we'll I think that Revenant always had an, a good kit, but that there were just other legends that were better. So that's why he just didn't get as much selection. And I think that, I think that with this all change, like Andrew was saying that it's a, it's a strong enough ability that can win you games. Like that ability can win you games. And so that's a good enough reason to choose him. I also wonder if it might be used as a tool to like dive back into the circle and finish people off before they get in, Ooh. because you know that you can safely do that. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, looting. Yeah, and looting, and you know, no matter matter how far you go, the circle will kill you, and you'll be able to come back. Yeah, it's a good way to transport back. Yeah, there's man, I'm excited. Yeah. You yeah. you well, made me want to pick Revenant. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and it was it was a really good change in my opinion. I mean, I just feel like they could not like really come to a radius that was gonna feel far enough. I think just for the situation that you needed. Yeah. So originally it was certainly too 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 not not enough. Too small. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and, and now they can just adjust the timing, how how yeah. long it lasts, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I do think, like, uh, toward what you said as well, like, because it's just so highly um, tactical, like, you have to know how to use it. And I don't. Like, I'm the idiot <laughs> that's just, like, putting it out in, like, an open field. And just like, <laughs> oh, wait, I guess I should put it there. Are you trying to put it in some place that you think is smart and then just somebody comes out of nowhere and just, like, tears it down? Or you find someone camping the... um. The, the respawn yeah <laughs> it's like oh shoot that's exactly what i was trying to avoid <laughs> <laughs> uh let's talk about watson because I'm, I'm not a watson player but these changes seem devastating um the 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 pylons now only last for 90 seconds before they fall and you can only have three out at a time is that a and big and they make a really noisy sound when they break and i always think i'm getting shot at <laughs> um andrew is that a big deal yeah i'm pissed <laughs> all right they mess with my girl <laughs> i'm i can kind of okay with because i love the safari skin again i'm gonna reiterate <laughs> skin. they threw me a bone and i'm like you're lucky <laughs> um i understand the change uh respawn is being brave and that they're doing what's good for the game despite the fact that a lot of players are gonna get really mad at them yeah um uh, it's very clear that Wraith and Watson are pretty much unavoidable picks for meta. Uh, they're incredibly good, incredibly useful. Uh, and honestly, if the goal of the game is to have very complex relationships with each of the characters to where you can have any number of combinations of characters and teams and they're all viable, then you do have to do something to make them not as strong. They... They went ahead and went through with that and implemented that change in Watson. Mainly, like you said, um, these pylons will expire. So you can't be as campy. Uh, I like. I want to be mad because I love Watson. And I and unlike what a lot of people have a shallow view of Watson. Oh, you can get an area. That makes everything more boring and campy. No, it's the opposite. It's it, 
the Watson is the best thing for Apex ever because with the pylons, you have shield replenishment, which encourages teams to dogfight more and fight with each other and try and get picks because you don't have to worry, oh, we have two shield cells. We can't fight. Let's just camp, which is going to happen with Watson. Before Watson was in the game, it happened. So she's really good for aggression, actually. But what, they, what they're doing here, I think, is necessary anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I like it because you know what they did? They said, well, you can stack uh, ultimate excels too. So they're, they want people to still use her how she should be used. Yeah. It'll be useful how she is, but they're just making it so that, you know, you can't be thoughtless. You can't do what a lot of players do to win tournaments right now. Sorry, I know I go back to competitive a lot, but at the end of the day, that's kind of like the best, the most abusive way to use something. Um, and it's that no matter what loot you got, you just ran directly to the best spot in the zone and you watsoned up. Now you can't do that without getting punished a little more because you'll run out of resources you can't. If you don't collect ultimate excels, there's a lot of cool things that they've done. They nerfed her. I'm sad. I'm a, pretty much a Watson main, Wraith main, and I think it's probably necessary. So, mm-hmm. not to ramble too much, I think it's sad, but it's good, probably. Oh, and 90 seconds is still a pretty long time. Yeah, it's not um, worse. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how long the cooldown is on that. But really, you're only dealing. I mean, not only right, but like you're not. It's not like you're going ten minutes and you can use if you don't have an ultimate accelerant, right? And the ultimate accelerants, just so everyone knows, is like they'll all automatically. She only needs one. She can be at one percent mm-hmm. and use one, and she'll be at a hundred. Good point. Um, yeah. So you know, and also I, I don't know because I haven't played in competitive with her, but I assume that if you have three, your shields also uh, heal up three times as fast, right? And that seems like a huge advantage if you're stacking three on top of each other and you're getting three times the shield heals out of it. Uh, remind me, either of you two, that before this patch, she could only have one pylon, correct? Mm-hmm. So now she can have multiple again? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I, you I, know, I'm, I I'm think... 90% sure I read that. She can have up to three now, right? Says, yeah. yeah, it says three. Yeah. So I... that's, a, that's like a buff that nobody's talked about that I've seen. I this is yeah. how much I'm not a Watson player. When I read pylons, I thought that meant the fence pi- posts. I thought <laughs> I thought that meant she could only have three pieces of a fence up. Oh no! But this is her. Talk- we're talking about her alt. Talking about her alt. Crazy. Talk- so yeah. she can have three alts out. Yeah. And there and, there was a time when she could do that before. Yes, when okay. she first came, she could. And like Whitney said, they did stack, I believe, with regarding charge and shield recharge. Um. It sounds crazy, but you, you didn't you see a lot of it. Like you'd never run into like a team with like five pylons out back. Then. Okay, it's never happened. <laughs> but yeah, I'm curious. I'm I'm very curious how this this is all balanced because maybe it's returning like that, but it's not stackable recharging feeds. It would be hard really to get know. three up in ninety seconds. Wouldn't yeah, you? and besides, well, there's no way you can get three up in a position that aren't like super exposed unless they're like on top of each other, which is not. That doesn't justify putting another one down rather than saving it for your next rotation. Sure. Well, if it's if it's ninety, then you put one down, use the ultimate accelerant or the uh the ultimate the chargers, yeah. Thing. Yeah, the charge station. And then you can put another one down. Um and <laughs> I'm just thinking for instance, if you're like in like that little area, Ooh, okay. area what's called the new area. Um, and then you get all the shield heals too, right? I mean, I, to me, like, I don't, never really thought that much about shield heals, but when you get late game and you don't have any heals, it is a deal breaker. You will die, you know? So, wait, what are we talking about? me some diabolical ideas. Okay, <laughs> we have to try this. I don't care when. I'll play Watson. I want us to drop, um, whatever it's called, <laughs> uh, capacitor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to look for every ult excel we can. 
okay, we're going to collect them all, give them all to me. We're going to go to the charge stations. I'm going to see if I can put like 10 watts in. Oh, wait. Dang it. You can only have three. You can okay. only have three. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> we'll find a friendly Watson. We only bring you the best knowledge here on Hexing <laughs> yeah. with the Legends. We'll, we're, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I still think that's crazy, though. I mean, not just like drills underground, but you have like three of those and you have all those fences. Like, you yeah. can still build a perimeter. And if you find enough ultimate accelerants, and like, I feel like I always find them when I don't need them. But sometimes you can find like five in a game, you know? She'll still be in the meta. It's it's a nerf, but yeah, I think they did it. It's more soft than it appears on paper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, much more of an adjustment. Speaking of adjustments, I, let's talk about Wraith. That's our our other big one to, to bookend these uh, legend uh, changes. Now, this is, I don't think it's fair to call it a buff or a nerf because it's such, it's almost identity changing. All the all these wraith changes. So let's talk about it. Let me run down the list. Uh, face walk. So that's our tactical. It takes one point two five seconds to enable. It used to take point four seconds. During this time, wraith will receive twenty percent move slow. Uh, does not affect phase walk when placing a portal. While in phase walk, wraith now gets a thirty percent move speed buff. Wraith can now see other players while in the void. Phase walk now lasts four seconds instead of three seconds. Phase wall cooldown is now down to 25 from 35. That's okay. So that's a lot. So she's faster. It lasts longer, but it takes longer to initiate and she can see people while she's in it. I think that pretty much covers it, right? Mm-hmm. Huge. I'm sure you've all had a chance to play. Feels completely different. Am I wrong? Nah, you right. Yeah. Fam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> The reason they said they initiated that that um that change, like the sort of delay in the cool in the not the cooldown, the triggering, um, is because people were just using it as the quote get out of jail free card, which I, mm-hmm. I think that Finn uh, said earlier. Um, but you know, I, I think that that's important to to note or to keep in mind. Because theoretically, I mean a lot of really strong players would play Wraith too, but theoretically you could be a mediocre average player. But you could be really good at clicking that phase button when you first felt shots and then reposition to the right place. And I think that when you sort of put it down like that, it is almost like a small advantage that is really, really big within the meta of the game, right? Uh, because the biggest problem I actually have with Loba right now is that it takes too long for her to throw her... Um, her what is it disc jump disc jump drive jump drive um yeah i mean because you're just in an exposed position trying to wait for this thing to land even if you press the button it just still doesn't getting far enough or whatever um it's also kind of hard to see where it's going to land sometimes i don't know if you have that problem but i do for sure um but so you know again I i think like theoretically it saves you from the like the sort of almost like cliche just like ugh this wraith with 2000 kills like right who um you obviously have to be a really strong player to get i'm sorry not 2000 20000 kills it's like you obviously have to be a really good player to get that but maybe some of it was you choosing a legend that is very very valuable in a very very specific situation that happens literally 10 times a game you know hmm. yeah uh, yeah, I'm kind of echoing some of the same thoughts. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the Loba thing before I get to Wraith real, real quick. Uh, I had the same thought today. I was like, man, you know what would just be great to make Loba think exactly where she needs to be is 
just make it so the disc doesn't lob but goes straight and it's quicker so she just simply can she can still have that animation where she puts it back on but if it just could have fac- faster accuation accu- times or whatever like i just if she could just blink a little more quickly so that it's just a bit more of a um kinetic um fast thing i think it would be more useful and that and like Forget the verticality, and in a way, we can keep that more to Pathfinder and Octane's kit too. Give them some more individuality by having that. Make it straight, fast, and flashy. She'd be way more popular, more useful. Outplay potential would go up. I think it would be great. Anyways, but regarding Wraith, um, yeah, they just they pretty much changed the nature of it. So now it's not supposed to be used so much. She she in competitive people would refer to her as like an entry fragger. She just go in, do a ton of damage. And the moment before you're about to get knocked, phase out, get out, trust your two teammates behind you to, to finish it. Um, stuff like that, which they didn't want her to be played that way. They wanted the phase thing to be a bit more reconnaissance-based so that you could identify when you're in danger and before you're about to die, but rather getting into a dangerous situation, then escape. And of course, the buff to the actual phase lock itself is really nice because you have a much more... once you If you activate it correctly then you're good to go, right? Four seconds, you can move faster, it's longer, you can see people. Um, yeah, so it's, I think it's a good change. You know, again, uh, on paper, I'm kind of like, no, why? She's a perfect mm-hmm. character. She's perfect. But I see why they did it. To me, it makes it, again, more of a intentional, this is what she should be used for. Um, we don't want her abusing fights and being too strong as a fragger. Uh, be more thoughtful when you use it. Uh, think a little further ahead and then you'll be rewarded that way. So mm-hmm. it's a good I, change. I'm just upset because I like to abuse stuff. Right. <laughs> I would add too that the um, portal in particular and the fact that you can see players now through it, um, there's already a huge advantage. You know, I, I had been talking about like a certain like type of rate. I mean, it's it's a cliche. That's why I like use that as an example. Um, but if you have someone who is actually a genuinely seasoned rate player, um, they can use the tunnel in very, very smart and tactical ways. And we're not even talking about like putting a tunnel and just like dropping it off the edge of the map, although that is hilarious. But um, <laughs> just, you know, making sure to go to high ground, but being able to like get a loop drop and like making sure the portal is in the right position so that when people go through it, they'll, they'll be in a situation that, that you have eyes on them, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that having that buff in that regard is actually really awesome for people who, you know, are using that as a really strategic character and not sort of as a YOLO character, as which what I imagined when Finn talked about <laughs> the YOLO character, you just go in there and yeah. just like... Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, like, like Andrew was saying, it, it's more than just a change to how the ability is used. It changes how the character can be used. You cannot be as aggressive with Wraith anymore. And when you want to use her tactical ability, you have to use it before you're in trouble rather than when you get into trouble, you know? So, um, I, I think it's a, it's a huge change. It's probably the the biggest one in the, this patch, uh, except for lifeline. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Does this do overall, do these balance changes affect who you guys are going to be picking and playing as? When I think about myself, uh, I actually do find all these other legends more attractive. So I think it's a good thing because I'm a textbook. I pretty much like to play Wraith 
maybe some Pathfinder and Watson competitive. Uh, just these characters that are really popular for fragging selfish players, pretty much. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, ooh, I kind of want to mess with Revenant. Ooh, maybe like I play Lifeline and get really good at helping my team. I like an Octane. Like maybe I can find a way to creatively double jump up to sections that could be helpful in like competitive zone holding, like high altitude spots. Uh, I think they're just trying to pr- promote more even distribution of legend attractiveness. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think they're they're doing it. It's uncomfortable for me because, you know, I'm set in my ways, but... <laughs> On the surface, like if I'm being mature about it, I think it, I think it's good. They're doing a good job. Hmm. Well, I, I think probably switch back to Lifeline, um, and it's because I almost like hate to admit this, but like you know, I need a lot of these characters. They have guides and stuff, but like if you want to be solid with them, especially like a Mirage or something, like you have to be pretty tactical and pretty smart about how you use it, and you have to. Like, you basically have to train in some regard. And maybe it doesn't necessarily mean, like, you know, working with a coach and anything like that. You should go to firing range. You should, like, work with your friends and say, like, okay, can you see me when I do this? Like, or all that kind of stuff and try to understand. But because I don't have the patience to study up on a character, I will stick to Lifeline because she is very straightforward across the board. Mm. Oh, you're low on health? Let me drop this this, this uh, health thing. Um, oh, you need to revive? Okay, let me just make sure my shield's the right direction, and uh, I will do that and protect us all while we heal. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's kind of why I've, I've chosen that character anyway, <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> uh, I am not the type to ever, like, tell my friends who to play or my teammates who, who they need to play or, or anything like that. I don't, I really don't care, and I'm, I'm only ever playing for fun anyway, so people should just play who they want to play. However, if it was... My job to choose my team composition, I would want a lifeline in on my team in every single game. Um, because she just seems that that important now. And there was a time when she felt like that very early on, like you have to have a lifeline. I feel like we're back there. Mm-hmm. Um that's my impression. Uh I want to get into the mission and the lore and stuff so that that this isn't just an entire patch notes podcast. <laughs> so really quick just to wrap things up, we have two other changes that we have to talk about. One of them is zip lines and the other one is the havoc rifle. Zip lines got a really weird nerf mm-hmm. and it seems specifically targeted at the highest skill players. <laughs> am I am I nuts are other people doing this tightrope walking at cuz I've only seen like literally Andrew and his friends do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Respawn like came in my stream and was like, I hate these guys. We're changing them. <laughs> I, I have never seen anybody do this in, in over a year of playing this game at the level I play at, which is like high gold. Oh, we, we bringing that up rapidly. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what do you, I mean, I, I guess just to define it, basically it's, Every time you jump off the zip line and ju- and and grab it again, there's going to be an increasing cooldown to the point where you cannot jump off and grab it again. It's to stop people from rapidly jumping off and grabbing the the zip line over and over again and doing what we call tightrope walking, which is where you kind of bounce on top of it. You can't you you can't do that anymore. Have you tried to do it or seen? Does it feel? I mean, obviously it's different, but yeah, I can speak a little bit to it. So when I first read the notes. Believe it or not, through all the balance changes, everything, that was what stuck out to me the most. 
I was like, this is huge. This ruins Apex. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of tightrope walking. In fact, I tend to be a fan when I get competitive with games of um, inventiveness from players mm-hmm. where they take something that was not a design decision and based on practice, like wall bouncing, things like that, they get good enough to do it to have an advantage over players who didn't learn the or whatever. Um, I, and I, I notoriously am just so sad when, when designers are like, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. We'll take that out. I, th- I thought it was a beautiful part of the game. I loved it. It rewarded people who practiced the mechanic, gave them more maneuverability and control while ziplining. Um, I understand it. And I think, again, they've done a good job intelligent so that it's not just, you can't do it anymore. Like you can do some bounces still. Yeah. Uh, to me, it seems like almost uh, it's still possible to do the tightrope walk because if you do it, if you do a perfect tightrope walk, you actually won't be bouncing. You'll be leaping at high momentum and and hitting the rope a couple of times on your way uh, on the zipline. Specifically, if they're going down, which is very, I guess it varies what what's happening. But if you're going down a zipline and you bounce correctly, then you'll only touch it a couple of times because you'll be flying full momentum above the zipline. Uh, I don't think that the nerf affects that if you do a perfectly t- like timed bounce down a decline. Good, right? But yeah. going up them, like it's a huge disadvantage going up. Now you pretty much can't do it. You can bounce like once, but it's like an almost not worth it because it'll kill your momentum and stuff. So it's really, I don't know. Like We'll yeah. see, I guess. But uh, I wish they left it because I love the mechanic personally. But it doesn't seem as bad as I thought it was when I first read the notes. Mm. Cool. And so, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it is just a matter of grabbing onto the tightrope. And I've definitely seen competitive games that have been won by the fact that there was a Pathfinder still alive. They had a zip, gra- zip line oh. that was like just high ground. Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> Am I spoiling all the, the cheats for you? No, you just, rem- you just reminded no, my. You reminded me why I reacted so strongly when I read it, because... That is now not able to do. And there are some of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. They're the coolest, most clutch games. As a Pathfinder, the last second, will find this rock somehow up really high on a cliff, and they'll grab it, and then they'll just bounce perfectly, and, they'll, and they have to choose when the perfect time to drop is to clean the game up. And it's always like the clutchest thing ever when a Pathfinder does it, stays up just long enough, drops right at the last moment, and cleans up the last couple of guys and wins the game. And this happens very frequently and scrims, and tournaments, and it it never feels cheap. It's never like, oh, that's dumb. They were just bouncing. No, it's always like, this guy's a genius. Yeah. That was yeah. the coolest play ever. Oh, my gosh. And some of the most exciting games ever played in Apex have been directly tied into that tightrope walk play. Uh, and there's way more to it than just the bouncing part. There's a, there's a lot of things that make that so exciting and more of an outplay rather than like some abusive, lucky mechanic. Quite the opposite. So yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Whitney. I did not mean to, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of why I was like, ah, uh, while you were talking. So he's not wrong. I mean, it is glorious to watch these plays. I mean, I just remember one where one of the players at TSM, uh, but nobody even knew he was still alive. And like, you have these like final circle. It's like closing, and these folks are all shooting each other, super low damage. And the one who actually takes it is the Pathfinder, who has been there the whole time, but is just above everybody, bouncing around. And just not in everybody's periphery because they're so focused on the six people around them, you know? Yeah. Um, so it will be kind of, it'll be, I mean, 
it'll be, I don't want to necessarily say like sad because players have always been creative. I mean, again, that's like also one of the reasons that they did like, you can't put two, two uh, Wraith portals in, in the storm was also like a similar issue, right? That'll disappear if you put both ends of the Wraith portal in the storm. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that like somehow it's my opinion that they don't want to be like, well, in competitive play, every team has to have a Pathfinder because what happens to that final circle? Or every team has to have a Wraith because what happens to that final circle? Maybe. Well, I, yeah, go ahead, Eric. But okay. I, I'll, I'll have one final thing to say about this too. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> I, I feel that I'm, I'm pretty much with Andrew on this one. I think that there are competing philosophies about... Uh, exploits and turning exploits into features and treating exploits like high school play. I think that uh, this is something that d really defined Warframe in the early days. Players figured out this crazy exploit that increased their mobility and the entire game got rebuilt around that exploit because players loved it and because it was so fun and because it was high skill that that became the game and that's what people love about it. Apex, <laughs> Apex treats things like that in opposite. Um, we saw that with bunny hopping, right? Early in the game, you could move full speed and, uh, and pull off a shield at the same time. You can't do that anymore. That was a really high skill move, but it was an exploit. Technically, they got rid of it. It wasn't intended design. It's mm -hmm. like if it if it's if there's something in the game, this is how it feels. If there's something in the game that isn't what they designed and the way they want you to play it, they want to take it out. And yeah. I think that there is certainly an argument that that the tightrope walking is bad for for the end of the game because if you can do it, you have a significant advantage, and that's not part of pathfinder's kit that's not part of anyone's kit is to have this ability so they wanted to take it out to keep things i guess fair um but i i think i'm i think i'm with andrew here that like if if there's a high skill uh technique that a players can learn over time and master and it makes them better at the game i don't see how that can be a bad thing they're not glitching through walls i think there's a pretty I think there's a pretty clear line between an exploit and a technique. And I think that this should have been, this should have been considered a technique. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I would say they had more of a case against bunny hopping because just because it's very influential, right? That's a very, very powerful skill to learn. Whereas this tightrope walk, it's like, I don't know what people who think it's this massive game changer, uh, what they're watching, but this is not something that occurs all the time. It's actually pretty rare. It's pretty rare. You don't see this a lot. This is not something that happens every time there's a final zone. And it balances itself because there is no cover up there. Right. Some teams will be like, okay, we got it. And they'll throw it and they, they're all balancing. Like they can do it. But they, they made a bad call. They did it too early. So what's that? The three remaining teams on the ground are like, what are they doing? And they just kill them all. Mm -hmm. and, this, and it happens all the time in pro games. They'll all die. They just die straight up. So there's all these things need to align for that to actually work well enough to give you the win. It's not so simple of, oh, you said it and you can do it. You win the game. Nope. For there's sure. so many things. So like I would get it if if it was like a, a thing that we just saw all the time. Like, man, it's just like they got the zip line up. So they won, of course. That's not how it works at all. Like it's yeah. like even if, if it's prime, everything like lines up perfectly for that player who does it. Even then, they have to be a, they have to execute it perfectly and make a chain of really on the fly correct decisions for them to win the game.
of it. It's really risky. Uh, like I, it's just, it was a beautiful part of the game. So I just, all I would say to wrap up on my mind at least is I hope they're not completely closed mind to reverting it because hmm. I like that they're approaching it like slowly, like we're not going to remove it completely, but nerf it a lot. I just hope that they consider they could get this one wrong and it may actually hurt the game uh, and remove part of what made it exciting. Just keep watching it. And if that's the case, like maybe yeah. just revert it. Yeah, the last thing I would say is like this is a nerf that only affects the highest level of play. It's not I don't see this as a health of the game type thing because this literally only affects pro situations. You, you I mean, I like I said, I'm like high gold, so I don't see this in final circles, but I would have a hard time imagining that even on the ladder in diamond and stuff that this is a big problem. I don't think it can be. So, so it's, it's odd to me to, to make a change that targets only the highest level of play like this when it's, as you described yourself, not even that, that prevalent. Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay. The last one's Havoc. Havoc finally gets the big nerf, um, increases the spread when it first fires off, I think greatly increased horizontal recoil in initial shot of burst. And then also the magazine decreased from 32 to 28 um good right i mean i've still bashing some heads with it it's so. still yeah it's still fine yeah. it's a yeah um that's i don't know i don't have much to say about it that's good it's fine me either yeah because like i'll pick it up early game and i'll be like well i still don't like energy but then i'll just like one mag two people with no armor and i'll be like okay it's still good though <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's, per- it's a perfect nerf they just they just made it really hard to use uh especially unkitted and i think that's smart because uh con controller advantage aside regarding recoil control on that because i don't know how it all works but it just seemed like controller players always use energy weapon uh i'm yes. happy with it but i'm totally biased honestly i'm biased on mouse keyboard and plus i never pick up energy weapons because i i'm like eh recoils hard so i'm not gonna learn that weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think it's good though because again it was just one of those weapons that had bit too much killing power for yeah you know, for what it was I guess I do have a little bit more to say on this actually, because it makes me, <laughs> it actually brings up a point about um, uh, community perception and um, balance changes and, and how much time they take, right? Because we've been crying for this Havoc buff for now six weeks. It's been the entire season. Uh, and when they do it eventually, it's like, well, we were right all along. We've been saying this the whole time, but obviously they need to collect their data and determine if that's a real thing, mm-hmm. you know, but the players felt it. They felt it the whole time. So like to you guys, how long should it take for a nerf like this for something that's so obviously overpowered? You know what I mean? Does that, mm. does it feel fair and good? Like, should we, should Havoc be on top for six weeks? Is that a problem? I well, mean, yeah, go ahead, Whitney. Oh, I do um, feel like if you don't give it at least a little bit of time, you do risk falling sort of into the graces of a vocal minority. So, like, let's say that just, like, everybody came out today and just said that, like, um, uh, Caustic isn't powerful enough, right? But we all know that, like, pal- like Caustic in his current sca- state is a very annoying character, right? And I think there are plenty of people who would suggest that this, should be, uh, this character should be um, nerfed, right? But if for some reason you have like 10 people just constantly tweeting and sharing 
um, it, you know, for them to quickly react to that and just say like, oh yeah, maybe we should make it instead of being eight ticks of damage or eight HP for, per tick, we should make it 16 or whatever. Like that's an insane thing to, to, to do. Um, and I should say that like, I see this because a lot of people are talking actually about the lifeline fast heals being removed. Um, and again, it's like, I don't know, theoretically, like, I think I said that like, it's worse for the player, but probably better for the team that it's this way. Um, but if you're just listening to the lifeline mains, there are plenty that are annoyed that, about the fast heals, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. So I think you do sort of have to, and maybe the Havoc is like a bad example, but still I think that you have to say like, okay, we see what the good players are saying. We see what the great players are saying. But like, what is like the average person who dips their toes in Apex, like maybe once a week saying, you know? Yeah. Like Respawn to me does a really good job of, of guarding themselves it seems like but they go too far like so i i don't think it should have taken six weeks uh but i will say they're wise in that honestly you could take every single person who made a comment on twitter about the havoc get all that data and it would still be the minority of players right of course it would still be like it's just a fraction of their player base however you still have to kind of say well you know and on top of that by the way you, you usually will see people outcry over negative things rather than praise what's being done well. Usually if you're doing something great, you won't get many comments because it's so good. It's subtle, right? Yeah. But uh, so they're, they clearly know that because they don't respond. Respawn just does not insta-fix stuff. They just really don't. They're like, we're going to wait. And I think it's smart. But like you said, six weeks is crazy. Uh, like I mean, especially when you can just tweak little, little bitty things. Nerf mag size, start with that or, and do it quick. And yeah. just see, you know, I don't, I just think it's, you're guarding yourself in what you know a bit too much. Because again, even though still a minority, no matter how much people outcry and pessimism tends to reign supreme when it comes to feedback in general, there's still I like going to be a point there in, in all that. I should add too, that when they do implement these changes, they have to think about the sort of effect on the world. So we don't see something like recoil being that big of an issue to, to tweak. We think it's like, like making a change to a little bit of numbers or something like that. But we also, and I don't want to be like the nerd about this, but my, uh, my developer boyfriend in the back here might back me up on this, but he, um, but sometimes there are contingencies, right? Like if we change the havoc recoil to this, um, does it, you know, is it suddenly going to make some other gun more powerful? Not because of the numbers, but just because, um, like the Havoc was designed to compete with the L-Star. Now all of a sudden the L-Star seems over overpowered compared to the Havoc. So I do think it's like worth mentioning also that sometimes a change that could seem like it's going to take 10 minutes is actually a thing that takes three weeks. And by the time they actually push it out and deploy mm -hmm. it, it's been three more weeks. Yeah, so, definitely yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, for sure. It does feel like a while, but like, you know, they are running like a, a, a giant franchise, keeping us all in circles mm -hmm. all around the world. Everything is events. interconnected. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. never so simple as like, oh, just lower the damage. It's like, well, actually, every rep weapon's like what relative to the other's damage. You know, there's like a complicated <laughs> chain. So yeah, I'm absolutely. oversimplifying for sure. Yeah. And all, all those points very well taken. Total, totally makes sense. And I'm sure that if I said to a developer, like, it took you six weeks to change that, they'd be like, yeah, we changed in six weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Only yeah, six weeks. What, yeah. But, um, but <laughs> still, it doesn't feel good that it took six weeks to make a tiny nerf to a gun that was obviously overpowered. That's all. That's I, all I'm saying. I, I also <laughs> feel like when they did the wingman and they changed the mag to like uh, four or something, 
and they changed it back up to five or whatever just yeah. for starting. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like not that long before they made the change back up to five or whatever yeah. it was. So. Yeah, you can get messy with it. Just mm-hmm. you know, try some stuff. <laughs> I, I would I would prefer more changes than than less. I would prefer them to make more mistakes than to make fewer changes. But yeah, totally agreed. Because you can never argue, well, they don't care. Like, right. If they're constantly trying stuff, they clearly do. Right. Um, that said, I'm not, I'm, I am also not dissatisfied with the amount of changes we get, especially this week. It would be very strange to be like, oh, Re- Respawn doesn't try enough things. Like, this is a crazy week. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love if this happened once a month, if we got this dramatic with the changes. Um, oh, yeah. But, Dream come true. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's it for patch notes. Unless there's anything I forgot that you can think of. That was, that was a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) let's talk about the hunt. We are, this is number six. I guess I kept saying six weeks, but this is the seventh week. I'm tripping. Yeah. I can throw this up real fast. Yeah. So, so this not including the prologue was the sixth hunt that we did. Yeah. The prologue is dialogue. So so this this is, this is the seventh week. Yeah. This whole time I've been yeah. saying six, but yeah, I was driven. Okay. All right. So we have our sixth hunt. For the, <laughs> for the audio down. listeners, we're thumbs down. <laughs> I don't know, man. I th- it just seemed like the same thing I did before, but I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> uh, Like last week I was complaining that it was like the previous weeks felt like they were building. Then last week felt <laughs> like we went back to the the simple the simplest one the first one and then this this one is even simpler it feels like simple. <laughs> yeah i i don't know i just uh i f- this is the first week where i honestly feel like the game is not respecting my time mm-hmm. i would suggest that maybe we our expectations were set a little too high maybe quest wasn't the right word maybe they could have called them mm-hmm. like mini games or something i don't know <laughs> honestly yeah i think that's a good point yeah because when i think quest i like definitely think of like a destiny style okay we're gonna do all this like really cool crazy stuff and i guess technically that's what you're doing but it's so like structured and it's so like um very like repetitive essentially in nature um and i do get their building to something but it's almost like you're like playing a commercial or something right (laughs) just Mm -hmm. like okay i don't want to see the commercial i want to see the movie (laughs) yeah and it's winding down we only have three more you know? But I kept thinking that like the last one is going to be just like taking on like the boss god or something. I don't know what it is. It's going to be so crazy. Don't. All of I... a sudden 360 like. Well, you put those ideas in our heads. <laughs> no, the next three are going to be the the worst three. That's what I have to believe. I can't, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, there's just, man, it was boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it a bunch of times now, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. And is you guys, Angie, you get anything else? There's not really much no, to say. No, that's pretty much it. It was just a copy paste. Just they a copy just, paste. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, if, you know, you know how they did that Blood, Bloodhound Zone of the game? Mm-hmm. If they had made it like a thing where in the, I don't know, I don't know how many play, games of Apex I play in a week. Let's say it's like 40. That one game, I have to drop into like an area like the Bloodhound Zone. I have to take it, me and my squad of three. Uh, and I get a lore piece doing that like once, once out of every 40 games, um, then, or like once a week or whatever, then maybe that would have been, um, a cooler way to do that. 
right? Mm. Because the quest is kind of similar, but you sort of are going in there and, um, you know, you have to earn it. And maybe like each week the setup changes a little bit, but it's actually in the game. And then you don't have to like sort of go through this like that's internal thing, right? Like yeah. it's just something that's like built into the gameplay. And I don't want to be like too much of that because I like wasn't really crazy about the fact when Fortnite started like doing like and find this and find this and get this and find this letter. Yeah. Like I thought that that was like kind of like cheesy, but I feel like you already have the Bloodhound Zone. Maybe something like that would have worked really well. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I think uh, maybe it could have worked better if it wasn't nine of them and if it was something that you could actually do in-game like the Bloodhound event. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, let's talk about the the lore because actually this one has got some interesting tidbits for sure. Um, it begins with... Uh, they, they, it begins with a reveal of what we're building. Like I didn't figure it out last week. It kind of made me feel like I was supposed to have figured it out a long time ago. Cause it's yeah. just so casually like talks about this character that we're building. Um, Watson refers to it as a female, which is interesting. And also makes mention that they, um, that the sort of, it's not Faraday cage, but the, whatever the dome, the cranium part of it is has some sort of uh, like electrostasis blocking. So I wonder if maybe this character now I've already assumed that this is the next character, but if this is the next character that perhaps their passive or one of their abilities has to do with electrical something, not taking electrical Uh, damage. Nanobots probably. Listen, okay. The female thing is just to throw us off like forge. They know data miners are all over this. All right. (laughs) I'm not abandoning my theory. <laughs> nanobots um, yeah i i know i'm totally sticking with that i'm told i'm fully behind the immortal theory right now um <laughs> so so yeah so they're uh crypto and watson are bonding they're becoming friends which is fun. i still like that relationship building stuff even if it's mm-hmm. you know a little cheap or whatever like it's working for me i like that Um, and so they're putting that thing together and then the big reveal is we now know who the mole is and it was crypto the whole time, but actually crypto didn't know because Revenant was watching the gang through hack his his little drone bot, his little uh, yeah, yeah, his mm-hmm. drone, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I liked. None of us guessed that. Um, yeah, it makes f- per- fine enough sense. I don't know how Revenant hacked the hacker's toy. <laughs> That's you know. He's the hacker guy, right? Like, how did the hacker get hacked? Well, I feel like, and Respawn is really good at this. I feel like they tell us more than we think they tell us in every one of these. And for me, it seems like whatever happens next, like, maybe it is. I don't want to say, like, you're hacking Crypto's drone, um, but maybe this character, um, I I don't know. They have an ability that's not exactly like Crypto's, but maybe they can place a beacon or something like that where they can tell audio if people are coming yeah and then it transmits it to like Wraith, like the way that wraith can like think someone's aiming at you or something right like the voices mm. so maybe that's like you know mm. I, I feel interesting like somehow there's a tie-in he, between the character and uh what's actually happening that's kind of cool because like revenant is the ghost in the shell right so maybe like that extends to other types of shells too you know like mm. that like the drone um, so this is our big act two conclusion. 
Last week, Bangalore exposed Loba and her plan to the team. Uh, now we know this week that Revenant heard the, all of that through Hack, and now he has confronted them, revealed himself, and now he's coming for Loba, who is already distraught after after being exposed last week and, and very worried about what's going to happen next. Um, so I liked it. I liked this week. I like that we got forward progression. We got an answer to a big question. Uh, and it's set into motion uh, the big finale, which will which will play out over the next three weeks. And so I'm excited about that. I like that stuff. Angie, what do you think about it? Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, we were all thinking, who's the mole, right? And this was like the coolest way they could have, yeah, you know, revealed it. I, I think it's the most interesting answer to that because I was like, I even thought, oh, maybe crypto's the mole, but I didn't even think about the uh, the whole uh, hack little buddy. Uh, and then what you just said about the ghost in the show, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Wonder. But yeah, uh, like you said, uh, to me, like this sort of interaction we're seeing between these characters and their relationships and who's becoming friendly and who naturally kind of rubs the other the wrong way is the best thing to come out of the hunts. And this sort of dialogue section was a was a good uh, example of that being interesting. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was good. Like you said, the fact that it's moving the story forward and setting us up for a cool last few weeks is kind of what I could have hoped for. Uh, I would, yeah. Oh, I'd like to point out that for many, many years, video games did not hire writers. A lot of the time, people who did the writing were the developers themselves, or maybe you had somebody who had some background in like writing or, or narrative who's like pushing something, but it's not somebody who's actually trained as a writer, who's applying for a job as a writer, who's like submitting samples and things like that. And it's only in, been in recent history that, um, I'm talking like history, like, you know, ancient Egypt, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it's only been relatively recently that companies started saying, oh, actually we're gonna invest in story writer for, for whatever this is. And also we have Respawn doing it now in this battle royale format where they're telling stories, not only within the game itself, but now in this little side piece, they're telling pieces through the content they produce on the web, through the cinematics, through the trailers, through, you know, the, even the gameplay reveals like have like bits, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know if you happen to catch that when they did this launch for this. Uh, there's a voice at the very end of the trailer, um, and it says, uh, "It says something like, Crypto, it's me.'" And the the assumption there is that it's Mila. It's like his sister who's presumed dead. You know. Right. Um, so anyway, all of this to say, uh, there's also a know, bunker that opens in that trailer. Mm. Just, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm still pissed about it. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, open the bunkers already. Okay. <laughs> What's inside? But, uh, <laughs> but just to sort of get it, get to the point here, I just wanted to say that like these are not dumb writers. They do have surprises for us. They have twists. They have things that we're not putting together. They're trying to find ways for us to do it. Um, and I think that that's so incredibly cool. They're writing at sort of like um, like uh, writing to our intelligence. It says like you're gonna you know you you are looking for a mole. And you think it's going to be one of these people here, but we're going to do a twist where, yes, it's somebody kind of, quote, here, 
but it's not ever going to be the person you think it's going to be. And now I feel like I have to think like that when I'm just like, okay, what's the weird twist this time, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I can tell you that, you know, not to just keep going, but like I saw that in a sort of season three meltdown trailer. I did a sort of trailer review and then I went back and I watched it after the end of season three. And they told us about the train that was going to exist. They told us that there was going to be um, that it was going to be about Mirage by making it a Mirage event. They told us about um, even like a. Uh, like, I, I feel like there was a reference to the fact that assists and rank were going to start counting because they're just because he started wow. counting. He's like, that was my kill. That was my kill. He's like, well, that was my kill. Like, he stole it. Right. Like, mm. crypto stole the kill. Um, so when you sort of look back in retrospect, you say like, oh, they kind of actually indicated to us what was going to happen. And I thought that that was like a cool, smart way. I mean, you can also even see in like the sort of Revenant reveal trailer that if you look really closely, there's like a gun. I think it's the gun that ended up being revealed that season, um, if there was one. Anyway, sorry, it's loud here. I've got some bells ringing. <laughs> Part of the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to say you're not dealing with idiots and uh, they are really strong writers. And I think that's something to sort of keep in mind as we move forward with... Um, with where they're gonna go because i think it's just gonna be bigger and better every season i mean they're clearly ramping up the team there's a lot of opportunity there do and um apex legends the movie please cast me as great. <laughs> do do we expect that we'll get this same quest style every season from now on i think that they'll probably make it better i think they'll hear the player feedback and they'll yeah. probably try to find ways to make it but it's it's good i mean hey if people hate the quest as a whole then they did a trial run and they never have to come back to it. If people love them, then now they can find ways to improve, which they've shown us continually that they know how to do. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the, the biggest thing for me has just been connecting the story to the gameplay of the story missions and mm -hmm. how week after week they don't line up. Either the timing doesn't line up or the legends you can pick don't line up or they just don't feel like they're connected. It doesn't feel like the mission I'm going on relates to the story that I'm reading week after week after week that that has been my biggest grievance with the whole thing yeah. um overall the writing I've, overall with the writing i i don't have too many complaints i think it gets a, a little too campy at times um but i am still engaged with that piece of the storytelling i'm i still want to know what's going to happen when we finish building the artifact i want to know what revenant's going to do when he shows up next week I just no longer expect that when I play the mission, it's going to matter to the story. <laughs> yeah. I think that's and, fair. And I, I would also say that like, maybe to me, I feel like I almost don't want to say this, but it reeks to me a little bit of like somebody had a really ambitious idea. They couldn't get it done in time, but it was so integral to launching the next season that they had to do a scaled down version of it. Um, Could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Wow. Probably our longest show, but I mean, there was just so much to talk about. Um, True. Next week, we will have our seventh hunt and our next chapter. Uh, it will also be the final week of the event, so we can catch up a little bit about our progress. Uh, with that, I might uh, bend and buy some of those boxes once I run out of crafting materials. Oh, I had to buy treasure packs this week, and I blame Last of Us, because that's what I was doing <laughs> every night this week. But I, yeah, I had to buy four treasure packs because I, I missed so many days, and I, oh, I hated it. Boy, did I hate yeah. it. I bought three, uh, but I had the coins left over, so yeah. it hasn't, like, cost me anything yet. Yeah, but I did have the yeah. 
Oh, but, but see, remember uh, at the beginning when I said you have to log in five times a week for yeah. how long? And y'all were just like, ah, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, we, I think they criticized just, it a little bit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The three of us had to have to keep up. If if yeah. I would, if I had just been like, oh, I missed those days, I'll get to it by the end of the season. It's not that big of a deal, you know. But I, we have to keep we, the three of us have to keep up every week, so that's why it was kind of a pain. Uh, but not 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 too bad. No big deal. Um, yeah. So next week, more hunts. We will uh, talk about the event and our, our impressions as things unfold, because, um, you know, we've all gotten a chance to play, but we need to play a lot more before we can form good opinions about all these changes. There's just so much going on. Um, let's get those plugs out. Whitney. Uh, you can call me Lifeline Bago. No, I'm just kidding. It's Lumbago. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, find me on Twitch. Sometimes I stream for the gamer. It's been really fun. <laughs> so you can find me right here. Well, I know this is going to go on Facebook. So I've been posting streams to YouTube too. Mm-hmm. So find me there. Your boy Finn. P-H-I-N-T-T-V. Catch me streaming StarCraft and Apex and also arguing with chat. Because they're verbally <laughs> abusive. So come join cyberbullying me. I welcome it. Uh, Finn's stream has been blowing up the past couple of weeks. It's been really fun <laughs> to watch. So you guys should definitely check that out. Uh, I have a very special podcast going up tomorrow. We're doing just a one-off, a spoiler cast for The Last of Us 2. I'm going to be talking with the esports editor, Bella, and with the reviews editor, Sam. Sam uh, just got his review up on the website today. Uh, all three of us have finished the game, so we're going to be putting out a podcast talking about all the controversies and the dramas and the. You know what? I'll just say it. Here's a little spoiler. I like that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why well, did you tell me before I played through it? I like that game, but the other the other two on the podcast maybe they didn't. So tune in for that. That's going to be finding the same place on YouTube and Facebook. Um, I'll, I think I'll even put it in our in our thread for. Um, for this podcast, just as a, like a special. So um, cool. Thanks guys. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.